and welcome. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we take you to an abandoned ranch and leave you there to fend for yourself. Yeah, pretty much. And I don't, I don't think you would want to be abandoned on this ranch. No. No. No, probably not. A tent is not going to offer you much protection here, um, assuming that, you know, you just carry those supplies around with you if you are abandoned, but this is a weird one. Maybe you have a small beaded bag. Yeah. With an undetectable extension charm. Right. That allows you to consistently carry all of your survival gear with you at all times. That's really the ideal situation. Just in everyday life. It is. We should learn how to do that. Yeah. So that we're always prepared. Right. Because you never know when shit's going to pop off. Not in today's world. No. No. I heard heard Ebola's back. You know what? Ebola is a terrifying disease. Mm -hmm. Just one of the most horrifying diseases is Ebola. It's a hemorrhagic fever. I learned this because um, a podcast that I really love is called This Podcast Will Kill You. Mm -hmm. And it's all about infectious diseases. And it's by two women. Yeah. One of that, they're both PhDs. One of them is now going to medical school to be a doctor, but they're both immunologists. Yeah. And um, epidemiologists, which, first of all, lady scientists I'm always going to give them my time. Yep. My ears. But they're so smart. Their show is really good. And they do an episode on Ebola. And it's horrifying. Yeah. I can't listen to stuff like that. It would freak you out for sure. Yeah. 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 But uh, love that show. And they always do like a cocktail for each episode. Yeah. And they call it a quarantini. Oh. <laughs> I think they make the cocktail up themselves. Yeah. And uh so and they create a name for it and it always goes with the disease they're covering. Oh yeah. It's very like clever and cool. We need to break out your cocktail book. Dude, I still have no idea who gave me that cocktail book. So here's what we're talking about. When Madeline was leaving our old job or Mm -hmm. I don't know, organizing her desk or something. Yeah. She found this little book on her desk in a box. Yeah. It was in my Valentine's box that I had made. And it's like, a I don't know, what year do you think this is from? Oh, it's old for sure. It's definitely like 70s. Yeah. I was even going to say like 60s. Yeah. And it's just this book full of the wildest alcoholic cocktails you can think of. Yeah, it's like the Bartender's Guide, I think is what it's called. It's a little red book. And it has just the weirdest cocktails. And a lot of them have like milk. Yeah. It's so weird. I don't want a cocktail with milk in it ever. Ugh. Yeah. And we, she just doesn't know where this came from. No one in the office had any idea where that book came from. To this day, it's been over a year, mystery unsolved. We need to break it out one night. We do. We need to make one of the weird ones that doesn't have milk. Yeah, no milk. Ugh, at no. all. No, thank you. 
So this morning, we're actually recording in the morning again. Yeah. And we got some Mickey D's for breakfast. Yep. Solid, solid breakfast at McD's. Yep. We both had a sausage biscuit. Madeline had a hash brown. Gotta have a hash brown. And um, I woke up a little later than usual. And by later than usual with having two kids, I mean like 8 a.m., which is fantastic, honestly. And so I basically chugged a cup of coffee and now we're here. Now we're here. And this is the episode we were going to record virtually and it didn't work out. So we are very excited to get this recorded and it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Now that we're back in the pod pad... We are all healthy. Yes. And we're going to serve you up a nice heaping plate of mystery. Mm-hmm. Before we get into it, we just want to remind you guys of our social channels. Our Facebook is What If I Told You Podcast. Our Instagram at What If I Told You Pod. And uh, we have a TikTok now. You guys, we're on TikTok. And listen, there's two videos up. Really, they're just videos of me like trying to figure out all the things on TikTok because there's so many videos that are so intricate and I don't know how to do that shit. So go give us a follow. Um, We're going to try to make it much cooler as the weeks go on as we learn more about it. But TikTok is a huge platform and we just didn't, we didn't want to miss out on that. So yeah, we wanted to jump on the boat while it was in full speed. Yes. And I was able, which I was glad um, to just snag the name. What if I told you podcast? Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. It's always good when you can just get the name. Right. Because sometimes you can't. I've always had weird issues with like email or social media platforms where I'll put my name in. Yeah. And it tells me that someone else already has my name. Yeah. Which is weird because I've literally met one person in my whole life that their name is spelled exactly the same as mine. Yeah. Because usually Madeline is Mm M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E. Right. And mine is not. Right. So usually I do not run into that issue. I have a terrible problem running into that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Emily. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that for sure. Everyone is named Emily. We only had one Emily at my school, though, when I was in high school. I'm pretty sure we had like hundreds of Emilys at my school. But for real, we probably had like five or six other Emilys in my grade. That's crazy. Yeah. And I, I think... 94 was a big year for the name Emily, which it's always been pretty popular. Yeah. It's but, a very classic name. Yes. And I will say my TikTok algorithm on my own TikTok is really attacking girls named Emily, people who are in Aries. And I'm like, oh, and then it's I saw this. So the first video, Keegan and I were just scrolling one night and it was like this, the audio and this girl was, like, laying in bed, and the audio audio was, like, someone waking up, and the caption was, girl's named Emily. <laughs> and the audio said something like, 
oh, I think I'm going to be a bitch today. (laughs) (laughs) And then like a few videos later, it was something about Aries. And then a few videos later, it was like, if any of these movies are your girl's favorite movies, she has issues. And like the first one was like, Nightmare Before Christmas. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is awkward. Which, Uh, that's not my favorite movie. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's up there. Well, how do you pick a single favorite movie? You just can't. No. But I, if I had to rattle off my top five favorite movies, Forrest Gump. Okay. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Okay. What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... Breakfast Club. Of course. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Hmm. I would say if I had to pick just five, we have to have Fight Club. Um, Tombstone. It's a good one. See, there's like more in my yeah. head that I want to say. Yeah. But like, if you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm. Can I pick... Lord of the Rings and have all three of them? Yeah, sure. Okay. Because I'm going to count Lord of the Rings as one. And okay. I it would be on my list, too. I would yeah. be Fight Club, Tombstone, Lord of the Rings, the trilogy, excluding The Hobbit, because that is trash. How the fuck do you get three three-hour movies out of a tiny children's book? I will never know. <laughs> um, Let's see. It's so difficult. It's so... No. Okay. No. I'm not going to say HP because I love the books and they're my favorites. Right. But the movies are not my favorites. I love them. They're enjoyable. They're not my favorite. I might say Breakfast Club as well. Yeah. It's a good one. It's such a good one. I'm not into like... 80s and 90s things at all. I don't like listening to 80s music. Mm. I, I will listen to like 90s like punk and grunge music. Yeah. But when you think of your typical 80s, 90s like, mm. um, like I, pop music. Oh, I don't. I'm well, it really, really depends on what it is because some of it is like nostalgia, like a Backstreet Boys album nostalgia yes like i'll i will listen to a good britney spears song if it comes on the radio but like keegan is really into like your like your classic 80s music Mm -hmm. i i don't like it yeah and so i'm not into those time periods Mm -hmm. but the breakfast club is a must yeah it's amazing yeah so there's that yeah i'm gonna go office space my fifth. Okay. I love, like, 90s alternative, 90s punk, 90s grunge. Yes, yes. And I love 90s films. I do, like, 90s, like, rap. Yeah. Like, 90s, 80s and 90s rap. Uh, yeah. That's really the only rap mm-hmm. that I like is the 80s and 90s rap. Um, Ariel, shout out to Ariel for doing our music. When we were in high school, she um, rapped NWA Straight Outta Compton acapella for me. That's incredible. One-on-one. We were not in a group. (laughs) It was amazing. It was probably one of the best things. That's beautiful. To ever happen in our whole friendship. (laughs) Oh, man. That is, yeah. That's a talent. Dakota and I were just listening to Tupac last night. 
Tupac's probably his favorite mm-hmm. as far as, like, 90s rap or maybe rap in general. He he listens to some rap. Like, some of it he thinks is funny. Yeah. And some I mean, of it he actually likes. I, I mean, if you got on my... I, I'm a Pandora person. I'm sorry for those of you listening on Spotify. I cannot stand how Spotify does their music half. It just drives me nuts. Um, anyways. Yeah. I'm more of a Pandora Pandora person as well. Yeah. If you looked at my Pandora, it's obviously going to be a lot of emo, screamo, alternative. Scene. Um, so, you know, bring me the horizon, a day to remember, Lots of stuff that I listen to, well, obviously still listen to, but stuff I listened to in high school. But you're also going to see, you're going to see rap music. You're going to see classic country music, because that's just how I grew up. You're going to see a lot of Johnny Cash. And um, it's, I don't know. I feel, you know, like I remember walking into like Hot Topic back in the day, and they would be playing like Johnny Cash. Yeah. Or Waylon Jennings. Yeah. I, I th- yeah. that kind of music just speaks to my soul just because that's how that's what I grew up around. Yeah. But yeah, I I enjoy rap music. It has to be I mean good. Yeah. Some of the some of the new stuff I'm just like what? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um I my Pandora is I have a couple of stations that I've been consistently listening to for a really really long time so they're very like honed yeah because if you are really consistent about thumbs upping and thumbs downing on pandora you can get that station to play only shit that you love right with nothing else coming in yeah and um i have a blink 182 station that's almost all punk rock and that's it Mm -hmm. and then a 90s alternative that is like you get old Green Day, old Blink One Eighty Two, mm-hmm. um, Goo Goo Dolls for a little guilty pleasure in there, right. maybe like the Verve Pipe stuff like that. And I have a Mumford and Sons channel that really only I only listen to Mumford songs on there. Yeah, because in that genre. I only like that band. There are a couple others that I think are good, but I don't really follow. But other bands that try to do what Mumford & Sons does, I hate. Yeah, I mean, and my, like, my one, well, I have multiple stations on Pandora, but the one that is just pretty much, like, all of my shit rolled into one Mm -hmm. at this point. I mean, one song is going to be... uh, Attack, attack, and the next song is going to be Willie Nelson. And then the next song after that is going to be, like, 90s Snoop Dogg. I love Snoop Dogg. Oh, he's the fucking best. He's literally one of the coolest people on the planet. Him and Martha. They hosted the the Puppy Bowl. You know that, right? Yes. This year? Yes. Oh, my God. It was incredible. Yeah. My brother's... Snoop is my brother's favorite person on the earth besides his children. Literally... Besides his children, Colton loves Snoop more than anyone else. That's amazing. And his dog is named Snoop. And he's a really precious dog. That is Um, so cute. He's like a lab husky. So, yeah, he's a really pretty dog. So he's got like a fluffy tail, but he has like the face and body structure of a lab, but the hair of a husky. Yeah, he's very pretty. Snoop might be my favorite. I don't know. Snoop and Tupac are like... 
yeah. far as rappers, that those are the two that I enjoy. I mean, and there's like a couple really good ones by like Ice Cube from back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. NWA in general. Yeah. Used to rock out. Me and sis driving in the car used to rock out a lot to right. NWA and then Whitney Houston. Doesn't really go together, but whatever. You know. Well, I guess we're going to get into it. Um, but yeah. First, we just really want to thank you guys for those of you who listened to our two-part special on Gabriel. And we're just really hoping that it helped open some eyes to what happens within the child welfare system. And, you know, these stories need attention. So people start doing their part and making those phone calls and signing those petitions because that's really important. I'm tracking the progress of Gabriel's Law and where it's kind of at in the process. They have crossed the 500,000 signatures threshold at Mm -hmm. this point. So um, from here, it just kind of depends if that's enough signatures to get some attention on it. But as more information comes out in regards to Gabriel's Law, we'll keep you posted on that whenever anything big comes out. If it's going to be on the floor for a vote sometime or anything like that, we'll be sure to let you guys know for sure. Right. And for Chip's Corner today, we don't really have much, but um, I did find out that he indeed has zero tattoos. And um, I would also like to confirm that Keegan is getting the Rick tattoo. Get Swifty. <laughs> and we're very excited for that. So Very excited. So we will get right into our episode. And today we are talking about Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, yeah. This is kind of going to be our first paranormal topic yeah yeah it is for sure which i love a good paranormal story i am i'm sorry i'm just gonna say it i believe in paranormal shit i believe in ghosts um so that's that i'm just not gonna (laughs) go into that any further but you know yeah this Um, one i mean this one's weird and it's it's not it's not just I mean, I guess you can kind of roll all of this into the category of paranormal, but it's everything. It's everything you want in a mystery. Yeah. Except like missing people. Right. Yeah. It's like this place is kind of the culmination of all of the paranormal stories. And I was just watching the documentary that we'll reference throughout the episode, Hunt for the Skinwalker. It's by Jeremy Corbell, who did the Bob Lazar documentary that we talked about in our first episode. Yeah, Jeremy Corbell is a badass. Yeah, that dude is mad talented. Um, But him and George Knapp, who was also involved in the Bob Lazar situation, on the documentary Hunt Hunt for the Skinwalker, George Knapp says that at Skinwalker Ranch, you have UFOs, you have possible, like, paranormal, uh, otherworldly, portal, whatever situations you potentially have Bigfoot. You potentially have ghosts. So he's like, this could be an indication that 
everything that occurs that involves those things is connected. Right. So. And, I mean, to this day, no one fucking knows what's happening. Yeah, and there have been scientists living on Skinwalker Ranch since the mid-90s. Yeah, yeah. And we're, I mean, we're going to get into that later, but that's what makes it such a good mystery. And I was talking to my mom about this because she's really into, you know, paranormal stuff as well. And she finished up that four-part documentary because there's Hunt for the Skinwalker. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one that I didn't watch. She yeah. watched the one I didn't watch. I think the series is Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Something like that. I think. I didn't watch any of it, so none of this episode is from that. But yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the other docu-series that I saw. Yeah. But I only watched the Jeremy Corbell documentary. Yeah. So what exactly is Skinwalker Ranch, you may ask? Because if you're like me, I didn't know about it until recently, which is very weird. Skinwalker Ranch is also known as Sherman Ranch, which was the name of the family that lived there that kind of started reporting the crazy shit that was happening to them. And it is located on approximately 512 acres southeast of Ballard, Utah. And it, like we said, is reputed to be the site of paranormal and UFO-related activities and really almost everything you could think of. Right. And the name Skinwalker Ranch is actually taken from the Skinwalker legend of the Navajo, which is like a like a vengeful shaman and maddie's gonna get into that a little bit later because that's really important i think a lot of things you're gonna find out there the podcasts i've listened to on this don't get into the actual skinwalker legend and i think that's a really big thing that you need to grasp when listening to this so Claims about the ranch first appeared in 1996 in the Salt Lake City, Utah, Deseret News, and later in the alternative weekly Las Vegas Mercury as a series of articles by investigative journalist George Knapp. Now, the doc by Jeremy Corbell has a lot of interviews and... I guess for lack of a better word, evidence or findings or what have you that George Knapp actually accumulated over the years. And so he is, I mean, he's a big name when it comes to Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. And the early stories detailed the claims of a family that allegedly experienced inexplicable and frightening events after they purchased and occupied the property. And that was the Shermans. The ranch is located in West Uinta County, which borders the Ute Indian Reservation. And it was popularly dubbed the UFO Ranch due to its ostensible 50-year history of odd events that have been said to take place there. And... According to Kelleher, who is actually a chemist, and George Knapp, they saw or investigated evidence of close to 100 incidents that include vanishing and mutilated cattle, sightings of unidentified flying objects, orbs, 
and large animals with piercing red eyes that they say were just unscathed when struck by bullets. And also they experienced invisible objects emitting destructive magnetic fields. Yeah, so I'm guessing that there's just like magnetic fields present. Yeah. So this is, I mean, it's it's almost everything. Yeah, it's literally everything. Among those involved were retired U.S. Army Colonel John B. Alexander, and he characterized the NIDS effort as an attempt to get hard data using a standard scientific approach. However, the investigators admitted to, quote, difficulty obtaining evidence consistent with scientific publication. So NIDS is basically like a scientific organization for yeah. the most part. Bigelow, who purchases the ranch in 97, 96, mm-hmm. he started NIDS, and it's the National Institute for Discovery Science. Yeah. They're, they're scientists. Right. So there's a bunch of scientists out here trying to be like, hey, like, everyone calm down. This is what's happening. But they're they're not gaining any any evidence that can give a scientific explanation for what's happening. Yeah, I know that like they're scientists, so their first instinct is to use the scientific method to create a hypothesis and an experiment and all of these things. Yeah. But this stuff really just isn't quantifiable. Yeah, I mean, they can't they can't be like, oh, well, this is happening because of this. This is why you're seeing that. And yeah. they're, they're still out there today trying to figure it the fuck out. Yeah. Be, yeah. It's just unexplainable. Yeah. And I think some things just cannot be reasoned away. They can't be proved or disproved mm-hmm. with science. It just is the nature of certain things. Yeah. So... Cattle mutilations have also been a huge part of the folklore of the surrounding area for decades. And I think cattle mutilation and just livestock mutilation, I mean, obviously you can tell if it was just attacked by an animal, but the kind of mutilation that happened with this, it just, it doesn't sit right with me. It is it is very weird. Um, Especially seeing photos of it. Yeah. The footage they showed of them, like, of the carcass that was, yeah, the carcass that was left. It was just very strange. Yeah. And in the incidents portion, I did put in, like, kind of a detailed how that event occurred. Yeah. Like, one of the really big events Mm -hmm. or whatever. But, yeah, it's just very weird. Like, they say that they you can tell the difference between predatory right and this yeah like it's in like wildly different right so we mentioned robert bigelow earlier and like we said he was the founder of the nids organization and i mean he he is a billionaire and he actually purchased the ranch for two hundred thousand dollars and this is a five, more than 500 acres. And that is. That's the what, biggest deal ever. Yeah. That's crazy to that's me. That's so crazy. 
he was just convinced by all of the stories of the mutilations that included tales of strange lights and the unusual impressions that were also made in the grass and soil. And I mean, these were stories and experiences by the former ranch owner, Terry Sherman. We're going to get into specific things that happened later, but it's, I don't know how the Shermans stayed there for as long as they did. I know. I would have been gone in a week. Yeah. $200,000, it's fucking sold. Take it. Sold. (laughs) Sold. I didn't find anywhere where it listed how much the Shermans paid for the ranch Mm -hmm. in comparison to what they sold it for. I'm guessing it's a huge difference. Oh, I bet. I bet they paid way more than two hundred grand for that ranch. Yeah. Because if they wouldn't have, I feel like they would have asked some questions. Mm-hmm. If it was listed, like, really low, if you see, if you're shopping for, like, a home or whatever, and something is really cheap, your spidey senses immediately are like, what's wrong with it? Yeah. A yeah. car, anything. Like, who was murdered in here? Yeah. If anything is cheaper than it, sh- than you know it should be. You're immediately asking what's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, people just don't disclose stuff sometimes, hoping that nobody will ask. Right, right. And it works. Some people don't think to ask. They Mm -hmm. just see, oh, shit, this three-bedroom, two-bath house is only $100,000. Yeah. And then they buy it, and there is just shit fucked up there's just poltergeists (laughs) that there are no pipes there's no no indoor plumbing at all yeah it's crazy in 96 a skeptic named james randy awarded robert bigelow a pegasus award for funding the purchase of the ranch and for supporting john e max and bud hopkins investigations And Randy called the effort a, quote, useless study of a supernatural, paranormal, or occult. Yeah. So, He's basically saying, like, yo, you wasted your money. Right. This is not science. Yeah. That's basically, like, what he's saying. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I I can get why, like, paranormal activity is not scientific in any way. Right. Glowing orbs to me seem a little scientific. Yeah, I think like the UFO parts of the story, obviously, that could be, especially whenever you know that there's a department in the United States government, right? A tip, yeah, dedicated to studying aerial phenomena, right? So, obviously, that part. You can ground in science, I think. Yeah. Especially yeah. because most people just know and assume that the government actually has uh, UFO crafts right. in their possession. Right. We've talked about this on both of our previous alien episodes. They know. And they know we know. And they know we know. and We know they know we know. Yeah. The, we, they are just not acknowledging. They know that we know. Unacknowledged. Boom. Dr. Stephen Greer. Please watch that documentary, everyone. (laughs) Yes. So good. They and they're they underestimate our ability to cope with this kind of information. Yeah. Like people come on. Everybody has already accepted it. If you just say it, it's not going to cause mass chaos 
It'll just be like everyone at their house saying, yep, knew it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like birds being fake. Right. Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? I've never seen a real pigeon. Oh, well. So. (laughs) I guess you're right. I hate birds, though. Birds really freak me out. Yeah, I'm not a bird person. My cousin had, my cousin Ashley had like a couple of parakeets when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified of them. Yeah. I I just don't know how people let, like, birds sit on their... I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, like, nursed a baby barn swallow back to health when I was younger, and it didn't freak me out. But it was also, like, this big. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I just find birds really terrifying. I mean, especially, like, birds of prey. Yeah. They're large. Their beaks are huge. They have talons. Mm -hmm. They fly in the air. Every bird of prey except Hedwig. Yeah. Yeah. She would. She's she's not going to hurt us. We already know this. No. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the legend of Skinwalker. So in the area that Skinwalker Ranch is in, the Uinta Basin. You have a couple of different Native American tribes also in the kind of adjacent area. Mm-hmm. So you have the Ute Natives, and then you have the Navajos. So Skinwalker is actually from the Navajo culture. And um, the Navajo word for Skinwalker is Yi Naldelushi. I think. Yeah. It's another one of those things you can't really get great pronunciation on. Yeah. It's it's a difficult word. Um, if anyone is listening and is versed in Navajo culture and knows the correct pronunciation of that term, please let us know. Um, but in Navajo culture, the skinwalker is a type of harmful witch who has the ability to turn into possess or disguise themselves as an animal. So it's like a shapeshifter-ish. Yeah, it's like a shapeshifter. And in the Navajo language, the term translates to, by means of it, it goes on all fours. So typically, a skinwalker is a four-legged creature. Yes. The legend of the skinwalkers outside of the Navajo culture is not really well understood because... The Navajo people are very, very reluctant to actually discuss the subject with people outside of the tribe. Yeah. They don't want to reveal Skinwalker lore to non-Navajo people or discuss it among those who they do not trust because of the evil energy of the Skinwalker. Right. So there's little information that you can actually find published about it yeah because even in the documentary like when some of george knapp's footage of like some dudes sitting around a fire and they were one of i think it was like the sheriff or Mm -hmm. some sort of officer on the reservation at the time had asked like about the skinwalker and they just straight up were like no like i'm not going to talk about that right exactly um so There are an array of 
Navajo witches, including the skinwalkers that represent the antithesis of Navajo cultural values. So while there are community healers and cultural workers within the Navajo group known as medicine men or medicine women, or called by another positive term in the indigenous language, witches are seen as evil, performing twisted ceremonies and manipulating magic in a perversion of the good works that the medicine people traditionally perform. So when like training in order to practice the good works, traditional healers learn about both good and evil magic. And most of these cultural workers can handle the responsibility of having the knowledge of both the good and evil. But some become corrupt and choose to become witches. So that's how you get to the skinwalker. And there are, uh, as I said, other types of witches. Mm-hmm. It I didn't look into all of the different types right. or anything. And it's probably not even really available. Yeah, I mean, I think anything relating to this culture in particular when it comes to that sort of thing, I mean, even if it was, we wouldn't do it justice. No. And it's not ours to talk about. No, they're, you know, I think a lot of Native cultures really um, jealously guard their traditions and practices and the lore of their their history and stuff so um as they should at, yeah, yes as they should um so it wasn't for us to look into yeah. that any deeper but it was important for people to understand at least the gist of a skinwalker right so right. i mean when i hear the term skinwalker i would have no idea. No frame about of reference. That. Yeah. So just the base level information is really all we have on that. But yeah. um, animals that are usually associated with witchcraft in general um, usually include tricksters. Yes. And such as like the coyote. Um, but it also can include other creatures usually those that are associated with death or bad omens. The skinwalker might possess a living animal or even a person and walk around in their bodies by locking eyes with them. And the skinwalker can be male or female. I've always heard the coyote is kind of like a trickster animal. Mm -hmm. Um, The crow is another one that is often associated as the trickster. Right. In a lot of literature, anyway. But it's not four-legged. Yeah. So I don't know that it would really count as a skinwalker. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There are skinwalker stories told among the Navajo children, probably as, like, cautionary tales. Yes. And those stories could include life and death struggles that, in the end, either the skinwalker or the Navajo person killing the other or partial encounter stories that end in a stalemate. Um, encounter stories may be composed as Navajo victory stories with the skinwalkers approaching a hogan, which is the traditional dwelling of Navajo people, and then being scared away. Non-native interpretations of skinwalker stories 
typically take the form of partial encounters on the road or where the protagonist is temporarily vulnerable, but then escapes from the skinwalker uh, in a way not traditionally seen in Navajo stories that take place away from the home. So, like, somebody driving through the area breaks down, has an encounter, but then is picked up or whatever. Right. So that's the legend, the, the Navajo legend of the skinwalker. Super interesting. Um, I always enjoy learning about any Native American legends that go with our stories. They're super interesting. Yeah. So at this moment, we're going to take a short break and tell you guys a little bit about another show that we really love. Yes. It is a podcast called Three Spooked Girls, and they're into the same shit we are. Yeah. I think most of their stories, they do like ghost stories Mm -hmm. and mysteries, murders, stuff like that. So they probably cover a lot of the same stories we do even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially like murder stories. Right. Do a lot of the same. So uh, if you're listening to us, you definitely love them. So we're going to play you their promo so they can tell you about their show in their words. And then we'll be back with some really crazy incidents happening on the Skinwalker Ranch. Hey there, I'm Tara. And I'm Jessica. And together we co-host the podcast Three Spooked Girls. If you love the paranormal or murder, join us on Mondays for full-length episodes where we discuss our favorite paranormal stories and true crime cases. And join us again on Thursdays for our mini-sodes called Stabby Snippets, where we tell you all about true crimes happening in the news. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, wherever the hell else you listen to your pods at. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, by using the handle at Three Spooked Girls. Come and hang out with us and get your spooky on while we scare the hell out of you. The Three Spooked Girls. All right, we are back and we're going to get into probably the best part of this episode, the shit everyone wants to hear. Yeah, this is what you came for. It's what you came for. It's what we're excited to tell you. So for as long as humans have lived in the Uinta Basin, they've been seeing super strange things in the sky. And that's not really surprising for that part of the country, it feels like. But in the 1970s, Utah State Professor Frank Salisbury wrote a well-documented book about hundreds of UFO sightings in the basin specifically. I mean, to this day locals around there they still see shit it's probably just become a part of their day-to-day yeah yeah whatever so the sherman family is the family who owned the ranch in the 90s and they encountered some of the strangest shit they did i think it's one thing to be like a an investigator or a scientist who is looking for these things, but to actually live there and experience that, that's a whole different ballgame. So they claimed to see mysterious large animals, 
most notably, a wolf that was three times the size of a normal wolf. There's charts out there with wolf sizes. Mm -hmm. And Terry Sherman actually shot this wolf at very close range multiple times with a rifle and it just didn't do anything to this thing which is terrifying to me that is absolutely terrifying yeah they talk about a trickster type of being and this trickster would release animals open gates and create a magnetic field on the bars of the animal corrals. And in the documentary by Jeremy Corbell, there is discussion of this wolf-like creature that Terry encountered and tried to, you know, he shot to kill and it just didn't do shit to this thing. And... When Terry was shown photos of different types of wolves, the one that they claimed to see that day looked most like a dire wolf in size comparison, which is much larger than a regular wolf. Like, wolves are big, but they're not ginormous compared to other dogs. Like, they have much more hair, so it makes them look larger. And they are a bit taller. I would... Think, like, your regular wolf is probably the height of probably, like, a greyhound. Not a greyhound. A Great Dane. Yes. Yes. Greyhound. Those are small. They are. Um, Yeah. Great Dane is what I'm thinking of for, like, a regular wolf. Yeah. Height-wise. Right. Yeah. And looking at this chart, he picked out a dire wolf, which everyone knows. I mean, Game of Thrones people will know this. And the dire wolf, I mean, has been extinct for over 13,000 years. Yeah. So, and what is the typical size of a dire wolf? Um, well, this chart that I am looking at compares the size of a dire wolf to the size of a lion. So, height-wise. Yeah. The size of, of a lion. Just, just shy of a male lion. Mm-hmm. But they don't really weigh as much as a lion. Yeah. It says its weight at a maximum of 150 pounds. Um, Which is big, though. Which is big for a dog. Look at Rowan. Yeah. Rowan is probably, I don't know, 22, 24 inches to the shoulder. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he weighs like 85 pounds. Yeah. This chart has... uh, A maximum of 210 centimeters. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. 165 centimeters is a 5'5 person. I don't know. I'm getting conflicting information here. Okay. That's too big. It's a huge wolf. It's huge, but I don't think it's 5'5. No. But. Chip. Chip will know. This chart is, I think it's misleading us. Yeah. But really, it's saying here that it's probably around three foot to the shoulder. Yeah. And then 150 to 175 pounds. Yeah. Which is a huge animal. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Like April, P- 
people think April is big and she is 70 pounds. Yeah. And and she's also not super fucking tall. No, she's just. She's average. Average. Yeah. Average height. This is just mind boggling. It's crazy. So huge ass wolf. Huge ass wolf. (laughs) That's what we're saying here. Chip will be able to help us if, I mean, you talk fantasy fan. It's going to be Chip. He knows. So moving on from the wolf, just know this big ass wolf came towards this dude. He tried to shoot it. It didn't die. Nothing happened. It just eventually walked away. One of the ranchers on the property claimed to have seen a glowing orange hole in the sky that he assumed to be a portal because he could see into the glowing hole a little bit. And inside of the hole, it then showed a, quote, different sky. Yeah. On the documentary, they did talk about how some of the NIDS researchers have discussed multiple times about the possibility of there being a portal here. Yeah. In this area. So the idea of a portal, wherever it takes you to another dimension, to wherever, um, the idea of a portal comes up repeatedly. Yeah. So our next weird thing is the ranchers on the property were tagging new calves one Sunday morning. And... If you don't know what that is, it's, I mean, they're literally putting tags in calves' ears. They're typically numbers on them. I mean, when you're ranching, you have to do these things. Yeah. When you're not some some small farmer with a hundred head of cattle, you typically tag new calves. So they tagged a calf and left it with its mother and walked to the west side of the field, which was about 100 yards away from the calf. And after about 30 to 40 minutes, their dog began acting kind of strange. The dog then ran west away from the area of the calf and never came back. The ranchers walked back to the first calf, And found the mother running. So they walked back to the calf. They found this cow running in a half circle and limping. And on the ground was a mutilated calf. So this happened within 30 to 40 minutes. And they were only 100 yards away from it the whole time. Yeah. I feel like if it would have been attacked by a large animal, they would have heard that. Yeah, it specifically said in the doc that they saw nothing and heard nothing. Right. Their only indication was when their dog started acting weird. Yeah. And the NIDS team said it looked like an incredibly large predator had just ravaged it, but there was no blood and like anywhere and none of the entrails were present either. And it appeared as though the calf had been killed elsewhere and then brought back to that location within that 30 to 40 minute span without anyone seeing or hearing anything. And you think 100 yards, I mean. Either end of a football field. Yeah. I mean, if we were standing on a football field at both ends, I mean, we would have to raise our voices, but we could hear each other and have a conversation probably. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's probably. not that's not a long distance at all. Especially it, you're thinking this is a field. It's not like there are trees hiding anything. They could clearly still see right the calf and the mother and there's no one else around. It's not like they're in a town where there's other noises mm-hmm. or there are other people. It was just the ranchers. If something had attacked the calf, like a predator, they would have heard it for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up around cattle my entire childhood and cattle are can be loud. Yeah. I mean, especially when it comes to a mother and her calf. They are they are not going to be silent if shit is going on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just not I mean, even a regular sound that a cow makes is not something you just don't hear. Yeah. Whether you're a hundred yards away from it or two feet away from it, you're going to hear it. Yeah. So I can't imagine that an animal just walked up to it, attacked this calf, and they didn't hear enough scuffling to be like, oh shit. My cow is being eaten. Yeah. Yeah. So especially, Especially because for a rancher, you buy cattle and... Part of the business model is purchasing cattle in a way to where it will produce offspring so that you can increase your investment without putting more money into purchasing cattle. Right. So a calf is very valuable to a rancher. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they are going to want to preserve Mm -hmm. (laughs) those calves to adulthood so that they can sell them. Right. Um, So... If they heard anything akin to a predator approaching that calf, they would be on alert. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so wild. The fact that there was no blood and none of the innards were present is wild. Yeah. I mean, it's all, I mean, it's often described as like, it was like surgery. Yeah. Because one of the ears was like sliced off cleanly. Like the ear that the tag was in was sliced off and nowhere to be found. They said it looked like it was cut off with a scalpel. So something very sharp, like a surgery tool. Yeah, and teeth aren't going to make a clean cut when ripping off an ear. Oh, no, absolutely not. So it's just crazy. And the footage of it, it does look wild, almost like it was professionally butchered. Like the way that the rib cage is. Mm-hmm. And it just... Because those bones would have been broken if a yeah. predator would have attacked it. Like their ribs probably would have been broken. And it just, the only bone that was dislodged was a femur. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest bone to dislodge from the body is the femur. Yeah. But it was cleanly dislodged and not broken. It's so crazy. Yeah. So weird. So another incident happened to a woman named Shelby. And she was staying at one of the residences on the property, I think, The documentary wasn't super clear as to what house she was staying at when this happened. But she was in a residence in the area of the property. We'll just leave it at that. I don't know. Um, But she had what she described as a time loss experience. So she awoke at one o'clock in the morning and went into like their kitchen dining room area. She said she was aware of being awake and getting out of bed, but didn't have control of her movements, which is very weird. And 
she was looking out of the window from their dining room and saw two spotlights through the window. And she was then turned around away from the window. The next thing she remembers is becoming aware that she was staring at the stove and the time that the stove showed was 8 a.m. Holy shit. So she was standing in that kitchen for seven hours and doesn't remember. I don't even sleep for seven hours at night. (laughs) That's insane. That's really wild. Huh. Yeah. Just staring. Maybe she was, I don't know. I mean, you could sleepwalk, I suppose, and just stand there, but. Oh, that's so weird. It is weird. I will say that one thing that also, like, got me is they would even have, like, new groceries moved around. Mm -hmm. And, like, kitchen cabinets, like, open and closed. And, like, you think when someone tells you that. I put my groceries away and then I turned around and they were all back on the table in the counters. Like, you're crazy, whatever. Yeah. But things like that happening with the other things that happen, mm-hmm. like, how can you not believe that? Yeah. it. You're not going to make up a story about a wolf approaching you and it not dying when you shoot it and then make up a story about groceries being moved yeah you know that that does not relate to each other whatsoever yeah so weird on the night of march 12 1997 after the ranch had been sold off to bigelow one of the biochemists calm kelleher was working with nids And he claimed to see a large humanoid creature spying on the research team from a tree. In the documentary, he described the creature as being 50 yards away, watching the team safely from a tree perched about 20 feet off the ground. That is literally terrifying to me. So that's really, really That's creepy. That's the kind of shit I see in my nightmares. (laughs) So he's quoted as saying the large creature that lay motionless, almost casually in the tree. The only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes as they stared fixedly back into the light. So Keller fired at the creature with a rifle and it disappeared. He said, quote, it was then that I saw a single obvious oval track around six inches in diameter embedded deeply in the patch of snow. It looked unusual. A single large print in the snow with two sharp claws protruding from the rear of the mark going a couple of inches deeper. It almost looked like a bird of prey. Maybe even a raptor print, but huge and from the depth of the print from a very heavy creature. Okay. Let's talk about the humanoid creature with glowing eyes being perched in a tree. Yeah. (laughs) That like, okay. I am someone who loves scary movies. Yeah. It takes a lot to scare me. Like, I like jump scares annoy the fuck out of me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, but it really takes a lot to make me, like, 
feel creeped out, which mm-hmm. is like probably not okay. Keegan and I will watch scary movies and he's over there like like jumping and like pulling the blanket up and I'm just like No, nothing. Yeah. Okay. But that like makes gives me like goosebumps. It is really creepy. Something um, about humanoid creatures and then just like chilling in a tree. Yeah. Just like watching. Yeah. Whole so that story brings in, like, the potential of Bigfoot being involved somehow Yeah, in this. Because what other humanoid creature myth exists out there except for Bigfoot? Could Bigfoot sit in a tree, though? No, and I think... 20 feet off the ground? That's high up in a tree. That's really high. Um, I don't know. it, But... You also have to think about the print that they found at the base of the tree. Yeah. It looked more like it was from a bird because it had claws. So he described it as like a bird of prey or a velociraptor. And there's only one track. Bird person. It's bird person. From Rick and Morty. Uh, That's what it is. If so, like they're fine. He's a good guy. Yeah. I don't know. You showed me the his picture, and I was super <laughs> underwhelmed by bird person. Yeah, um, he had normal hands and feet. Literally and no what beak. it literally what it sounded like. Yeah, it looked like he was just wearing a cape of yeah. a bird with a hood. When he proposes to his girlfriend, it is a pine cone ring. If that makes you feel any better, maybe a little. I just <laughs> wanted him to have. I just need him. If you're a bird person, where's your beak? That's my question. You can't be a bird without a beak. Mm, but can you? I'm going to go with no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the defining feature is the beak. He has wings. Yeah, he he did have wings. So, yeah, the this one, it, that the, the bird of prey footprint is the weird factor. One, the weirder factor here, I think. Yeah. And this is coming... From a very well-rounded, educated, scientific-brained person. Yeah, this guy's a biochemist. Yeah. I mean, this is not someone who chases ghosts around. Yeah. He's straight-up science. Yeah. Which, and that's that's what's so compelling about Skinwalker Ranch, is the place is full of professionals. Yeah. Scientists are perpetually at this ranch. Yes. Trying to figure out what's happening. It's wild. It's so wild. Um, But during the time that Nids was working on the ranch, they collected. Obviously, they were there to collect evidence of incidents that were occurring. And so Bigelow purchases the ranch in 96. And Nids is his thing. So they have been on the ranch since 96. Yeah. Theoretically speaking. And by 1998, they had already documented 78 incidents. And those include, like, the floating differently colored orbs, the, quote, nuts and bolts crafts, your regular UFOs that people see. One of those crafts even cut the tops of some of the trees off on the ranch. That's weird. That's so weird because usually you don't hear any physical traces, hear about any physical traces left after a UFO sighting. Mm -hmm. And this one literally cut off the tops of trees. So that's some cold, hard facts right there. 
indisputable evidence. That's insane. And there's also a scene in the documentary of what appears to be, like, ghostly images of buildings in the distance that look similar to kind of, like, the skyline of New York City. You can see, like, a part of it that kind of looks like the Trade Center. That's so weird and random. So weird and random. It was like a a photo that they showed on the documentary Hmm. that showed that in the background. Weird. Super weird. So Thomas Winterton was the superintendent at Skinwalker Ranch. And this is a quote by him. You get that sense you shouldn't be here. Sometimes the hair will start standing up on your arms. I've had a feeling of dread or terror come over me and I can't get off the ranch fast enough. So Winterton just kind of had these feelings like often preceding the mysterious events that happen there and... I don't know. It's just so, and I was just talking to mom about this this morning. Like, these are grown ass men talking about this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not to be stereotypical, but typically grown men are the, are the, oh, it's nothing. Like, don't worry about it. It's probably this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you wake up your husband in the middle of the night and you're like, oh my gosh, I just, I just saw a shadow, you know, walk by the window and they're like, it was the branches of the tree, like go back to sleep. You know, they're the the calm, cool and collected. Typically, they're not they don't usually believe in this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so coming from a bunch of professionals, it's just wild to me. And it's so wild that all of these professionals are spending so much time and so many research efforts on this place. Yeah. Clearly something is happening. Yeah. So Winterton also said that he came onto the ranch as a complete skeptic. And then he said he was tasked with carving out some dirt roads on the property to improve the accessibility. And that's like a big no-no for that place is to not dig. And even the Shermans were told when they bought the ranch, like, hey, don't do any digging unless you you ask. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, what? I can dig a fucking hole wherever I want. Like, I just bought this place. What do you yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, but he went on to say that the legend here on Skinwalker Ranch is don't dig. I had a mysterious bump develop pretty rapidly. And over the course of a few days, my scalp completely separated from my skull. The dude dug a hole on Skinwalker Ranch and then the scalp on his head separated from the skull. That's super, like, weird and also a little gross. That's very gross. So there was a film crew elsewhere on the property, and a pheasant was chased by another bird or pheasant, and it flew into the front gate and broke its neck and died, according to one of the film crew members. The encounter was captured by a surveillance camera, and while... Some crew members were interviewing outside of Homestead Number 2. After dark, they left an MP3 recorder and a flashlight on the floor inside the homestead, along with a static GoPro camera to see if any audio or visual anomalies would be captured. The lone capture of note was a small flame that seemed to shoot out of the ground during a wind gust. 
It was visually unique to anything they had seen before. And they said it would require further examination. Of course. Obviously. Random fire shooting out of the ground? That's not just a, eh, all right. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> Obviously, you're going to want to see what's causing that shit. To their knowledge, there was nothing chemically active in the soil that would explain such an event, but they did say that the area was electromagnetically influenced. It was also several feet away from a spot where transient high levels of radiation were detected during the recording of an episode of the History Channel show that covers this story. Mm -hmm. They have, like, a series on this. Yeah. Um, So... There's electromagnetic influence. There's high levels of transient radiation. There's just lingering shit everywhere here. Just insane. It's wild. Wild. So now the dude, Brandon Fugel, owns Skinwalker. Yes. He purchased the ranch in 2016, and he is a real estate guy. Yeah. And... So here's a quote from him. He said, what really interested me in this property was a conversation I had with certain scientists that approached me in 2015 that had been advising the billionaire, which is Bigelow, and had acquired a piece of property that was supposedly the site of more paranormal activity and high strangeness than anything else being reported in the country at the time. Fugel then assembled a multidisciplinary team of scientists and investigators in hopes of bringing to light answers about the unexplained events that have been taking place on the ranch. Here is another quote. Over the four years, we have recorded phenomena that really defies all natural explanation. And Fugel said numerous cameras and sensors now monitor the property 24-7 as the different field experts get a handle on the transient radiation and radio frequency anomalies that have been detected. And scientists also look continually at infrasonic and seismic measurements recorded at the ranch. So I don't know, maybe like detecting those things and being able to measure those things could possibly start to explain weird shit yeah i like i don't know about this stuff but i could maybe see how like radioactive shit could cause like fire yeah or even like orbs yeah maybe maybe like i guess like different levels of maybe magnetic fields in the sky yeah or Whatever could cause lights, potentially. I don't know. It certainly doesn't explain humanoid bird creatures and trees. No, no. I don't think that can be explained by a magnetic field or radiation. No. Maybe the radiation has affected a human and they have developed those characteristics. Maybe. Um, But certainly anything close to the ground, I think... You know, the radioactivity, the magnetism, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anything moving close to the ground could potentially be explained by that, I guess. I don't know. Um, but seismic measurements would be in the ground. Right. So maybe they're looking at what kind of 
what's happening with the Earth crust underneath the ground right yeah. there. If the, are there tectonic plates butting up there? Is there heavy metals? Yeah, under I mean, there. I don't know. I guess they kind of have to go through everything they could go through. Yeah, I mean they're using the tools that they have. Yeah, and um, you know, so I think the most concerning part I think about all of this is that multiple people that have been interviewed also spoke of a hitchhiker effect, which they talk about in the documentary, as well as several of the articles I read, is mm-hmm. the hitchhiker effect, in which those who have visited, stayed, and and or researched at the ranch have experienced phenomena and ill effects after they left the ranch and returned to their homes. Yeah. So... It's going with people, the, yeah, whatever a, it is. It's affecting them in some way or the other. Yeah. Fugel said, quote, there is definitely an intelligence that exists on the property that is interacting with those that come and go. So. That's terrifying. It's, that's really concerning. Because it's one thing if you, like, as, as especially now, if you know about this place, what's happening there, and you go there mm-hmm. trying to have an experience you're going with the expectation right but you f- you figure i'm gonna go there see some shit and then i'm gonna leave and carry on with my life right. but if you're taking it home with you uh <laughs> yeah, no thank you no thank you but i mean obviously it's sounding like we need to go see for ourselves yeah uh we are gonna plan a camping trip yes who wants to come? We're accepting applications. Yes. There will be a screening, background check, mm-hmm. full criminal record. We're going to view all of it. If you are interested in going on a camping trip to Skinwalker Ranch, you can find us on Instagram. Yes. Send us a DMs on Instagram. At what if I told you pod. You can send us an email. What if I told you podcast at gmail.com? Um, could they send us a message through Facebook? I don't think so. I think so. Like on Messenger? Yeah. Well, we have a Facebook page. Yeah. What if I told you podcast? So you can communicate with us in some fashion. However you would like. I mean, obviously we're not taking anyone to Skinwalker Ranch. But if you would like to go, we want to know if you want to go. Or if you have already been. Ooh, yes. If you've been there and you have a story to share, please, please. Yeah. We want to know. And, I mean, I know someone who lives in Utah. Tyler, have you driven by Skinwalker Ranch? Could you drive by Skinwalker Ranch? Or would you be, like, sucked into it? Maybe in the portal. Tyler, if you're willing to take that chance, um... Just please snap me as that's happening. Yeah, just uh, stick your finger in there. <laughs> just see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> oh, gosh. But also, you guys, we would really... Obviously, we're done with the episode. Yep, that's it. That we're done. We're wrapping this up now. Um, sorry if that wasn't clear. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> If you could please subscribe to us, share the show with your friends to help us grow a little bit. Um, 
If you have an iPhone and you are listening to us on Apple Pods, give us a little review and a little rating. Um, You can't do that anywhere else, which is so stupid. But yeah, we've had some, we had a person try to leave us a review from the UK and they, it has never shown up. It's not shown up yet. And she did it on Apple Pod. Yeah. I just, uh, if you have it, just try to leave a review. That would be great if you want to. I mean, you don't have to, but like, it would be cool if you did. It'd be pretty cool if you did. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Haley and Ariel, you know who you are. You're amazing. And we love you both. We love you. <clears throat> also, before we leave, we officially have some sticker designs. Ooh, we do have some sticker designs. So we're going to be figuring out what we're going to do with those. Yeah. Um, And we'll let you know. Yeah, we'll let you know how you can get a sticker what the deal is going to be with the stickers. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we need to figure that out. We don't know the full logistics of what we're going to yeah. do yet. We're, we're in talks about a Patreon at some point. The particulars of that have yet to be ironed out, but yeah. we'll, we'll nail down all those deets and keep you guys abreast of the situation. Absolutely. So stand by for that. And we've come to the end. We have. It's been great. We've loved it. I did. Um, My little desk llama has loved it. And we're coming in just shy of two hours of raw footage. Yeah. That's, That's excellent. I know what I'm doing for the rest of the day. Especially since we had a very long digression in the center. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be cutting that out. Um, but it is what it is. Eh, you know, shit happens. So, as always, we want you guys to be kind to each other. And stay weird. Okay, bye! bye.